Welcome to the Only One Shot Golf Podcast. I'm Jim Gallagher, Jr. Special thanks to Steve Azar for allowing us to use his music, and you can find Steve at steveazar.com. Don't forget to subscribe to wherever you get your podcast and get your copy of Only One Shot. That's by VJ Trollio, available on Amazon. Today I have the Director of Instruction at Squire Creek near Reston, Louisiana. That's Brad Pullen. He's graduated from Louisiana Tech in 2003. He's been at Squire Creek since 2002, worked in the pro shop, now is the top instructor there. Beautiful golf course. He's TPI Level 2 certified, TrackMan, Sam Putt Lab. One of the better instructors, works with Sam Burns, a recent winner on the PGA Tour at Innisbrook. Philip Barbary, he's one of the U.S. Junior. All kinds of great players, plus the members. So he teaches players of all skill levels. And uh, we look forward to getting to know Brad a little bit better and hear some Sam Burns stories and what he's uh, working on and uh, just some great information for you uh, on instruction. So let's get uh, Brad on the line. All right, I've got Brad Pullen on the line. Brad, thanks so much for taking some time with me today. I know you're busy. you got so much going on, but I uh, appreciate you being with us today. Hey, thanks for having me, Jim. I appreciate you having me on. Well, let's get to know you a little bit better, We uh, and we'll get into some of your instruction, but tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you went to Louisiana Tech, but tell us what kind of growing up was like uh, for you and junior golf and all that stuff, and uh, kind of let's get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I grew up in the area of, uh, about 30 miles south of Ruston uh, in Jonesboro, uh, a little small town, middle town, and uh, grew up around the game. Uh, started playing when I was three or four years old. Uh, my dad worked at the nine-hole course that I grew up at. Um, he was kind of off and on. He would manage the club there, and so um, got to play in the game at an early age, and my uncle was uh was really big into golf uh he was a really good player um in this area and i got into instruction um he was really big into instruction he was a big david ledbetter uh follower and uh so he had all the books and uh you know he was kind of before his time in that way uh with with instruction and what he would share with me and and so, uh, at a time when a lot of people were saying, Hey, that's too technical or, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't want to go down that road cause it's too technical. And, and so, you know, we would listen to some of that, but, um, but yeah, I grew up playing down there and, um, always kind of knew that I wanted to be a golf pro. I didn't necessarily know that I wanted to be as involved in teaching and coaching as I am now, but uh but went to school at mississippi state uh played high school golf uh kind of worked all through high school uh and then into college i wasn't good enough to play college golf um and so i just worked and uh went to school there in the in the management golf management program uh for two years and then uh transferred back to louisiana tech and graduated there so um that's kind of how it started 
So you got some Mississippi ties. I didn't realize that. See, I'm getting to know a little bit yeah. more about you. So there's a, that program has really changed a lot, even since you've been in school, because it really wasn't under kind of a major, the PGM program or any of that stuff over there. It was kind of uh, kids were going over there. They wanted to be club pros, but it was now it's, I think, falling more under the business. And you see some of the really great club pros come out of Mississippi State, and, and they do internships and, and go on. So it's really cool to see you have some Mississippi State ties there. But, uh, you know, you, you said you your dad and your uncle got you into, you know, the kind of the love of understanding the game, uh, but you didn't know if you wanted to get into teaching. Was that early on it really kind of influenced you to maybe you wanted to teach a little bit more? I know you wanted to be a club pro, but you, a little bit more to the teaching side of it? Yeah, I, I, you know, I always looked at it as it was a part of, being a golf pro was to promote the game and teach it. And, um, I mean, I can remember saying, yeah, I just want to be a club pro. I don't, you know, I, I can't see myself teaching all day. And, um, that's kind of obviously evolved over the years, but, um, you know, when I moved back, um, home, my first job that I got when I, when I moved back home was down there at, at the nine hole course where we were. And, and there were members that, wanted to um to get lessons and have you know do instruction and i was 20 years old and i didn't know what i was doing but it was you know 30 dollars in my pocket for the help but <laughs> it was uh you know i would grab a magazine um and and start the process of just reading and learning and and it just kind of grew uh, this passion inside of me that just wanted to know more and uh and so i would reach out to my uncle, get books from him. Um, and that just led me into really wanting to know why things happen the way they do and, and studying it and researching it and, and trying to learn it. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it, it grew and, um, and still to this day, that's, that's what I enjoy about it. And, and it's great to do. So. And, and you're at Squire Creek, which is one of the nicer clubs in the southeast, and you've been there for, gosh, I think almost 20 years now. Did, what was your job originally there? Did you go straight into instruction there, or do you work in the shop? What was your original position there? I was hired here by Cliff Bailey. Uh, he was our yep. director of golf. Uh, I was hired by him here um, as an assistant, and I worked for Jeff Parks. Uh, he was our head pro, and Jeff came from golf tech. He was involved in some of the setup in golf tech in Denver. And, and so when Jeff moved here, uh, I was working with him and we would get into big teaching sessions and talking about everything. He was big and into motion analysis and, uh, spent some time with Phil Cheatham here at our place. And, um, so yeah, it was great to have those resources and Cliff had played the game at a, at a, collegiate level and and him caring about the game and and then Jeff's knowledge of motion analysis and movement and so all of that started yeah t about 20 years ago um and then Jeff moved on and became the golf coach at Louisiana Tech and he's since no longer in the business um which was great for him but he uh yeah it was it was awesome to start learning in that um Trackman was just kind of coming out at the time um, with a lot of their club motions. And, you know, I just wanted to dive into that and say, hey, this thing is not just a fitter, fitting tool. It's a 
it's a tool that we can use for for what what's really going on and um so I spent some time around James White. Mm-hmm. He's great. Uh, looking at looking at some of that. Yeah, James is awesome. Um, so, you know, I think everything's kind of evolved and changed so much with the technology, and obviously, but also from a from a coach standpoint, and how you know if you if you wanted to learn more and you wanted to spend time around other coaches, you you basically had to go do that and seek them out. And thankfully, there's there's tons of coaches out there that share great info and content and are willing to, to help you learn. And, but now with social media, so many people put great content out there with, with that. So, um, it's just, it's, it's interesting to watch how, how it's evolved. It really has in the technology. Cause that stuff wasn't around, you know, my dad was a club pro and, and he taught a bunch and he was still at 83 years old up until the last few months was still teaching some, uh, but the TPI certified, you know, your SAMPA, all the different technologies out there. And you go through a lot of work to go through that. And I don't think people realize the time and the effort and the money you guys put into it. Uh, but how do you implement, say you've got some amateurs versus pros, cause you work with a lot of good players. How are you able to take that technology and also help some of the amateurs or the members you teach? Well, I think it's taking, um, taking the information that, that the technology gives you and and it being highly technical uh, and then trying to simplify that down to give them, hey, this is, this is the information and whether or not they want to hear all the information or, or not, um, you know, making a decision if that's how deep you want to get into it with them. But I think trying to take the technical information and then and then giving them, hey, this is our one fill for what you want to fill in your motion, if that's what we're working on. So um, it's just trying to make it as simple as possible uh, and and then communicate it in that way so that so that they can take something with them. I think, you know, so much of what we do with like our juniors and and even like I just did a golf school this past week with four of our members and so much of like the practice and the training that we do with say Sam, for example, those are still like putting games and skill challenges that, that all those amateurs can do. They can't stand there and obviously hit it like Sam can, but they can take these putting drills and instead of just throwing a ball down on the green and hitting, whacking a few putts and they can actually have something that they can do and they can, measure what they did and then they can see that oh, I know in this skill challenge I get 11 out of 18 would be a would be gaining strokes on the PGA Tour which is awesome for me to think about doing that putting game in that way because man I, I, I have something that's solid and that I can look at and I can measure um, and so but they might only be able to achieve eight and so we bring those bars down a little bit so they can achieve them. And, and it's great for them to have that feedback in practice. How much work? Cause I mean, I've seen college coaches and I'm not picking on them specifically, but, or even instructors that really don't truly understand the technology. I don't have a clue on most of it. I mean, I get the basics, but for like VJ Trollio over here at old Waverly, we work with and, and just watching him, mm-hmm. how, many, how much time y'all spend on that, but how much training does it go into that? How much, how it's gotta be important for you to truly understand 
how everything works and how much you pass on to your students because it can be a little overwhelming. I know it is for me, and I played at the highest level, so it's got to be overwhelming to some people. It may be more beneficial to you on some of that information other than sometimes the students other than what they see and understand what they've done. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't know VJ and Tim and those guys there at Old Waver. They're great guys, um, super smart, great coaches. Um, you know, I, I just I spend a lot of time reading and and you know those late nights staying up and and just trying to become better at what we do. And um, I'm I'm thankful for the opportunity to do it, and it's. Uh, it's, it's it's a lot of fun to, to to learn more about it and and then the next part is being able to learn how to communicate in a way that that can make guys faster you know better faster so exactly I think you were you mentioned Sam Burns who you work with and several other guys but I just think back and in, in our states in Mississippi and Louisiana I know maybe more so in Louisiana you know, the golf course has gotten better people like you teaching so instructions got him better but you also had a Hal Sutton and David Toms right down the street. How influential is to have a couple guys like that for these young kids? Because when I look back in the last 10, 12 years, the kids that come out of the Shreveport and your area and that part of the state, and even in our state, it's amazing how good they are. And it has to be some of the influence those two guys have had on them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, you know, David plays at our place here sometimes, and and we've gotten to know him over the years and um, what he's done there in Shreveport for all those kiddos at, at the academy and uh, has been, I mean, you can't put words to the value that that's been for, for that community. And, um, and I think also uh, for guys that have been around David, like Sam and Philip and a lot of these guys is, you know, they can see someone that's right there in front of them. And mm-hmm. I mean, Sam still talks about things that, that David has shared with him. Well, you know, David said, when you know, like this or like just situational stuff on the golf course or, or just, you know, being an ear and having something in front of them that can offer that sort of insight of playing at a high level on the PGA tour, uh, has been huge for these guys. And, and David's such a great guy and willing to share. And, and, and he's just been an awesome asset to this community. So. Yeah. I, Cause I text David right after Sam wanted in his brook and he was as excited if it was his own child. And, uh, and that's the cool part is you get to, as we get older that people like I always tease everybody, they, at least they'll listen to you. Uh, and some of the things, yeah. is, you know, because, you know, when you're young, you don't want to listen a lot of times. But there's, man, that's a perfect person to have all the information. He's been there, done that. He knows the situations. And even for Sam, when he struggled trying to finish up a few tournaments. And, I mean, I'm sure David, he'd call David and say, hey, what do I do in this situation? What do I feel? I mean, what do you feel going through that? And it had to be huge. But you started working with Sam when he was 15 years old. But he came from a football family. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it, and I remember reading the story where he wanted to kind of just focus on, on golf and they were like, Oh no, we got to have Friday night. And they built the putting green and all that. But when you, <laughs> when you, you know, it's just, it's a great story because 
we as parents want our kids to play all kinds of sports. I think it's so important, uh, especially in the smaller towns. What is your opinion on kids playing other sports and not just focusing on golf till maybe they get a little bit older in high school? I think that they should play other sports. And, you know, there's tons of research out there on that one sport specialization and, and what that looks like. And I just think it's, it, it makes, um, not only does it develop their athletic ability and their skills, but it just, um, there's so much value in being on a team um, and seeing other sports, struggling through other sports, not just having all the highs of winning. Um, and then, you know, at some point, moving towards one sport is obviously what a lot of these guys do. Um, but I like to see kids that play all sports um, and develop all the the athletic ability that's within them. And, um, I mean, you look at Sam, I mean, he's super athletic. Um, he's, he's, fa- he's big, he's fast, he's, he's just a great athlete. And, um, and I just, I think that's a lot to be said for, for the way that he grew up and playing all the different sports. Um, so, and then you can focus on one sport and, and hone in that skill. Yeah. Cause I remember listening to the Vanderbilt baseball coach and he looks for athletes first to play to other sports, not just baseball. Yeah. I thought that was interesting because I always felt like baseball is like, Oh, focus baseball, baseball, baseball. I just, I, I think mm-hmm. you run the risk of physically burning out and mentally burning out if you do that. And it's so important to have, I think, like you said, the team atmosphere, is that so huge? But you know, you say you see somebody like Sam, and obviously great physical uh, abilities and everything. But I always kind of wonder when you see a kid like that. But what separates that elite player? This is a tough question to answer specifically, but it separates that elite player like Sam or Philip Barbary and guys you work with from maybe just the average or the rest of the people that are playing. Um. Yeah, that's a tough question. A uh, little bit of a moving target, but I think. If you had to say one thing, I would say just they like to compete. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Sam doesn't like to lose at anything. And um, and I think, you know, knowing that, um, that helps us in how we put together practice and training. Because mm-hmm. um, it's like, hey, you know, Sam kind of jokes all the time, well, you know, give him a really – high bar, tough game, number that he's got to hit. And, you know, he always jokes all the time, and he'll say, you know, any hard games after he just beats my game. So, um, you know, I think pushing them in that way is huge um, and getting that competitiveness out of them um, as much as possible is great. Um, You know, like this week we had – uh, Sam was here, uh, Philip was here, and uh, Turk Pettit, uh, one of our students from Clemson, was here. And I just got them together um, a good bit on the golf course and mm-hmm. did chipping competitions and you know putting competitions and you know yeah we played holes and they're competing out there doing that but um, just creating an environment that pushes them to compete. And they want to compete against one another. Um, they're all three great at 
encouraging one another and helping each other um, in everything that they're doing. But at the end of the day, they will beat you too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, my youngest doesn't play much, and, and I was saying, I need to do a podcast with She said, I want to be on the podcast. I said, yeah, but you're going to get people to not play. I'm trying to promote golf here. And she goes, no, I'm just, <laughs> you know, she goes, I'm just so competitive, Dad, that I don't want to lose. I go, oh, boy. I said, that makes sense, and it does, because that's what makes a great person is some that inner drive to win at all, not all costs, not cheating or whatever, but just to win because sure. it, it separates it. I mean, there's a difference. There's that some person that goes the extra mile. But, you know, I've talked mm-hmm. to VJ a little bit, and I've noticed he's doing a lot more on golf course instruction as well as on the range. Now, I was a person mm-hmm. who – we didn't have a driving range at the golf course I grew up on, so I played a lot. And I've got more out right. of playing. Uh, are, you, are you seeing more instruction uh, maybe on your side, more on the golf course, or are you still spending kind of a mixed time? How do you mix that up, a golf course versus range time? Uh, I mean, I think it's different for everyone, but I, I prefer – to spend more time on the golf course. Me too. Yeah. Um, I think we learn so much more out there. You learn how to score it. You learn, you know, where I'm trying to hit it. We learn the strategy, um, the mental part, the acceptance of what you're doing. You can really learn a lot uh, about all all the phases while you're out there doing it. And um, you know, I I have some range sessions where we'll just sit there and work on uh, technical stuff and form work. and um, But then I like to test it and see how it looks out there. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I love spending time on the golf course. Uh, I think so many kids sit there and pound balls um, all day. And I think for some period of time that might have a place. But, uh, I mean, playing golf is, is – while we got into it and ultimately that's what we love to do so we play a ton of holes with all of our guys uh sam plays a ton of golf um he loves playing holes he loves competing out there against himself and against other players and you know it it, it usually involves during the week um playing holes every day that's 18 holes 27 nine holes um, when he's doing other, other training. So I would go out and play, you know, I was, cause you spend a lot of time by yourself as a, as a golfer. Uh, <clears throat> and, and I would play Titleist one versus Titleist two or whatever ball I was playing and have little matches and match play. And that was kind of the way it's like, I was so competitive, but that was a way for me to play a competition. And I, that's what I did on the golf course. And it was little games that you play. Uh, it's so important, especially for kids growing up, because their attention span is even you know sm- shorter than even mine is now at 60 years old. But uh, you know, when you go out on the tour and you said you're going to be going out to, to Dallas or you're going to a site with with Sam or any of the guys you work with, what's a typical day or what's it kind of like when you get out there on tour? Are you guys working on anything specific, or are you just trying to get some strategy on the golf course? I think when we first started, obviously we were playing new golf courses, and so it was a lot more uh, looking at the golf courses and and figuring out the best way to attack that. And uh, as we move through and play more familiar golf courses, there's not as much of that. Um, but you know, working with his caddy, um, you know, we just hired a new caddy um, within the last year, and so. Um, 
you know, for some period of time this past year, it was, I would go and kind of stand back and I wanted to see them interact and I wanted to see their communication and kind of let that relationship build. And, um, but you know, it's, it's typically just check, doing our checks and making sure that everything's kind of where we want it. Um, you know, Sam and I are very, because we've been around each other so much, you know, one thing that we do is that we're very honest with one another. And if I mm. see something, um, then I'm going to say it and I'm going to try to process what's going on and, and make sure that that's something that's valid. But, um, and then that same accountability is, is right back at me. So if he, if he doesn't like something that I do or, you know, then we're going to discuss it. Um, and it's nothing personal. And at the end of the day, um, we both are committed to one another and trust one another and, and, and what we're doing. But, you know, we were at Valero and it was like, I think it was Wednesday, may have been Tuesday, but Tuesday, typically a bigger work day, um, where we try to kind of hit everything and, and make sure that we're all on the same page and everything's in good working order. Um, with his skills and what he's doing, but I think it was Tuesday. Um, and we were putting and I was watching him and he was moving through, moving through, he perhaps was moving through, um, some of our putting games and he was burning through it and he just wasn't starting the ball in line as well as what he would like. And, uh, so we're working through it and I'm watching him and, and I'm like, man, like the setup just doesn't look the same. And, um, figure out that his eyes were pretty far inside the golf ball, so it was getting his shaft kind of low. And, and those are kind of those fundamental checks that we kind of run through. And, and, and so he's like, do you see anything? And I said, yeah, your, your eyes are like they're a lot more farther inside the golf ball than they typically are. Well, he kind of was resistant at first, and he's like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. And so – we got a mirror, checked it. Yeah, it was a little bit off in his setup. So, um, you know, and I think that's important as a coach. You know, I've always told Sam, like, hey, I don't – doesn't sound right, but I don't care how good you are right now. I want us to be great later. Mm-hmm. Long. We're always looking at – you know, I know it's a big cliche, but looking at the process of what we're doing. And, and at that point in time – changing something like that could could potentially he might regress a little bit and that's okay because in the end what we know is is that we're working towards something bigger and something greater than that just long term so yeah you mentioned honesty i think hal sutton i had him on the podcast and he said the same thing it's like your parents are going to tell you a lot of times what you want to hear but you need someone (laughs) as an instructor to tell you the truth do you, you, yeah. you mentioned that making an adjustment. Do you feel pressure? Cause I've asked John Tillery and Scott Hamilton and VJ and these guys that teach these top players. Do you feel pressure though? When you maybe make a change on someone that that good, if, I mean, even like on a Tuesday of the tournament, do you feel that pressure that I hope this works, even though you, you know what the process is, is there that pressure that you're making that big move? Yeah. I mean, there, there's times, but these guys are so good, man. Like, I oh, mean, they are. I mean, you know how good they are. They just, 
they can adapt really quickly. Um, they are, I mean, they're just, they're just, they're, they're so good. And, um, that's not to say they don't miss shots. They do, um, every round, every tournament. Um, but, uh, they have the ability to adapt quickly and, um, you know, as long as we have conviction in, in our honesty and, um, and, and how we relate to one another, um, you know, I, I think that's, I think as long as you can stand on that, then, then yes. I'm good. We've got a couple more questions. I know you got to get going. You got a bunch of lessons today, but, uh, Sam was in contention several times this year. I mean, Safeway, Riviera, uh, and, and getting, and, and just coming down there and just didn't quite get it done. What were you telling him at that point to kind of keep him from, and what was he learning at that point? Cause I know you, uh, we always, the cliche, you learn more from losing than you do winning, but what were you telling him at that point? Hey man, you still got this. I mean, because it has to be frustrating when you get in that final group, you've got a chance. It's right there at the end and you don't get it. What are you telling him at this point to kind of get him over the hump before he did win at Innisbrook? You know, I think, uh, just keep believing in what you're doing and, um, it's working and uh because we're setting scoring records here mm -hmm. you know i mean and and so he had that deep belief that no matter what the result is or what happens today um it, it, it's working and and trusting that it's working and you know so we're going to wake up tomorrow and we're going to be thankful for the day and, and try to do the same thing again. And, um, and he's in a good place with that. And, um, he's such a, he's such a great young man, um, in his faith and he's strong and courageous and, uh, he's such a blessing to all of us, uh, around to watch him. So, yeah, you know, you mentioned that I remember cause he went to school with Kathleen and they were really close buddies and, I remember her calling me and said, Sam's leaving school early to turn pro. And I'm thinking, gosh, where's he going to play? I mean, I'm, I'm a little more like, you know, pessimistic on that, but I know, I knew he had the talent, but it's, it's those feelings. Mm -hmm. and, and he, and he, I think he stayed amateur that whole time because he thought he was going to make the Walker cup team. And then we just watch it finish and he didn't make it. And I remember, I know he had to be disappointed. So I asked Kathleen, can I have his number? I'm not going to bother him. I just want to text him. And we text back and forth about it and how disappointed, but he, you mentioned his faith and he said, you know, God's got a plan for me. Uh, and I don't know what it is right now. And I thought that's a pretty mature statement for a 20 or 21 year old kid to make that, you know, he thought I'm, I'm in and he should have been, I mean, we can argue still the yeah. blue in the face. It's ridiculous that he wasn't in, but Hey, he went, he moved forward and look at the career he's having now. And, and I think when you look back at little things like that, that we call little now, but at the time they were huge. And then you look on mm -hmm. Sunday at Innisbrook, when you see him tap in that putt to win, what's the feeling in your mind? And what's that for you? I mean, I know what it felt for Sam. I watched him and I was working studio and I was bugging you back and forth trying to, you know, <laughs> and I was trying not to pull too hard for him and get accused of it. Although they were teasing me in my ear the whole time, but, uh, what was it like when you saw all that work you all have put together and, and you were happy for him, but to see that finally pay off and get that first win and just the emotions that you both were kind of going through? 
Yeah, I mean, I got chills with you just talking about it again. So you kind of, you know, it, it, it's, um, I think it, it, it's very rewarding in that, um, to see it pay off that way. Uh, and it, um, you know, um, obviously super proud of him, um, and how much you have to overcome in this game, uh, to, to be able to see it pay off in that way. Um, it's huge and it, you know, it validates that, that what he's doing is, is working and, um, you know, hopefully there are many more to come. Uh, but we watched it at home, um, and, um, he FaceTimed me after on the way to some of the press conferences and, um, just to see him, uh, happy and excited and crying and all of that was a lot of the same emotions that my wife and I were, were feeling there watching at home. Yeah. It's like watching one of your own kids. And I know just watching my little grandkids, it's it's a cool, but uh, I appreciate you spending some time with us. I know you're busy and uh, I wanted to get you on just to kind of, cause I knew you still had those feelings of how it just happened a week or so ago. And, and I know you're proud of them. I need to come over and play Squire Creek, but I'm going to warn you, I'm 60 now, and I'm moving up tees. I may be moving up another set after playing the honors last week with my son. I'm getting uh, – I need to come over there and play and, and, and spend some time with you. It would be fun to do that. Yeah, it would be awesome. Welcome to any time. If you move up tees, though, you got to give me some more shots. Oh, no, 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 no. I get to move up tees and don't give shots. That's the rule of 60. <laughs> See, it's just part of my game. And I'm still, you know, when you don't play but once every couple months, uh, it's a game we all love. And I know uh, you love teaching, and you're going to be out there doing it again. But, Brad, thanks for spending so much time with us. And as I like to end it, whether life or golf, you may have only one shot. you got to make it count, and you and Sam have and, and the rest of your players. But good luck, and uh, be safe traveling to Dallas. Hey, thank you, Jim. Thanks for covering everything. We appreciate it. All right, buddy. Thank you. All right, y'all take care. Smoking like a chimney top, hearts on fire.